E-Tidings Cosmos. Good morning, 21st Century World of Worlds. This is Radio Richard Ireland, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Thomila Falcher Rotensha. I am your host, Richard McSweeney. Hear this, listener, give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. In a vision of the weekend, watched a man climb a mountain. Disappeared from out of view, he did, a while up into the clouds, before reappearing above them. And he kept on climbing, until he had reached the very top of the mountain. There he took out a hammer from his bag, and chipped a hand-sized piece from the mountain. And with it held high above his head, he floated. He descended way up into the sky, up through and beyond the atmosphere he went. And there, with lowering and holding the piece of earthly mountain rock before him, he breathed into it, and it slowly moved out from him, and with it doing so, he disappeared from out of my view. The rock began to take a shape and shape and shape until it found itself at first to be a satellite, like unto the moon and it orbiting about the planet, before leaving it and moving on out into an orbit of its own about the sun. In likeness and size was it unto Neptune. And in a moment it disappeared into invisibility while fully remaining in existence like so many and such and the like wonders of the about-near and far-be-never-ending spaciousness of space. And the sage in the digital age speaks of the philosopher of old, saying, He would ask, Are fish aware of water, water aware of fish? What do birds think a tree is? A tree, birds are. What does a butterfly think a flower is? A flower, a butterfly. What of no thing? What do I consider no thing to be? No thing me consider to be. Something? In today's broadcast, I'll be reading from As You Like It, Tao Dai Jing, and the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. This is a reading in continuity from As You Like It. Under the greenwood tree, who loves to lie with me, and turn his merry note unto the sweet bird's throat, come hither, come hither, come hither, here shall he see no enemy but winter and rough weather. More, more, I pray thee, more. It will make him melancholy, Monsieur Jacques. I thank it more, I pray thee, more. I can suck melancholy out of a song as a weasel sucks eggs. More, I pray thee, more. My voice is ragged. I know I cannot please you. I do not desire you to please me. I do desire you to sing. Come, more, another stanza. Call you M. Stanzas? Uh, what you will, Monsieur Jacques. Nay, I care not for their names. They owe me nothing. Will you sing? More at your request than to please myself. 
Well, then, if ever I thank any man, I'll thank you. But that they call compliment is like the encounter of two dog apes. And when a man thanks me heartily, methinks I've given him a penny, and he renders me the beggarly thanks. Come, sing, and you that will not hold your tongues. Well, I'll end the song. Sirs, covered the while, the duke will drink under this tree. He had been all this day to look you. And I have been all this day to avoid him. He is too disputable for my company. I think of as many matters as he, but I, I give heaven thanks and make no boast of them. Come, warble, come, song. Who doth ambition shun, and loves to live in the sun, seeking the food he eats, and pleased with what he gets? Come hither, come hither, come hither, here shall he see no enemy but winter and rough weather. I'll give you a vesture this note that I made yesterday in despite of my invention, and I'll sing it. Uh, thus it goes. If it do come to pass that any man turn ass, leaving his wealth and ease, a stubborn will to please. Duck dame, duck dame, duck dame, here shall he see gross fools as he, and if he will, come to me. What's that duck dame? Tis a Greek invocation, to call fools into a circle. I'll go sleep if I can. If I cannot, I'll rail against all the firstborn of Egypt. And I'll go seek the duke. His banquet is prepared. Tao Dai Jing, Installment 25 There was something nebulous and complete which came into existence before the heaven and the earth. It was soundless and formless, stood alone, and would not change, reached everywhere, and was in no danger of being exhausted. It is capable of being the mother of the world. I do not know its name, and I give it the designation of the Tao, and it is further described as the Great. Being great, it receded. Receding, it became remote. Having become remote, it turns back. Therefore, the Tao is great, the heaven is great, the earth is great, and the kingship is also great. In the universe there are four elements that are great, and the mankind is one of them. The mankind takes his law from the earth, the earth takes its law from the heaven, and the heaven takes its law from the Tao. The law of the Tao is its being what it is. This is an interpretation, after my own fashioning, of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. No three-star visitor spoke to me, saying, Humaculate what words, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? Many were the disasters of one kind or another, which from time immemorial inflicted themselves upon the landries, inflicted themselves upon the entire island. From natural disasters such as flooding, severe cold, and even drought giving rise at times to famines of various intensities. Conflicts, battles, and wars within the island frequently occurred, and there were those too which were brought on by invasions. All these disasters and more besides pale in comparison to that which happened not so long a long ago. 
The people had no exact name to describe it. They called it this, that, and the other. Yet there was no one who really knew what to call it. The most common name they had for it was the word Lasht. Up to the outbreak of it, people living in years, long in years had near-perfect ability to say what they wanted to say. The words would come to them according to their instant need for them, in other words, quite naturally. There were, of course, those who, in their advanced years, who were a bit doughty. But that was due more to their not ever bothering to use their minds a great deal throughout their life. Just as suddenly as a chill breeze comes out of nowhere, the people began to suddenly notice of a day in late autumn that many of their most advanced in years could not speak so easily and readily as they had, say, just a day or two earlier. This phenomenon simultaneously happened all over the island, and no sooner than had people begun to notice this and to try to cope with it, didn't the very same thing break out in middle-aged people. And no sooner than had people begun to notice this and to try to cope with it, didn't the very same thing break out among young adults, the youth and even young children. It had become so all-inclusive that there was no one spared. All for that winter season long, did people just sit about in each other's company without being able to say hardly a single word? And it wasn't that their tongues and their lips couldn't speak or pronounce the words. It was just the case of no words were coming to them to speak. The word roots from their mind were somehow all blocked up. They wouldn't be even able to speak their own name. They would look at, say, a tree, but the word tree wouldn't, even as far as they knew, present itself to their mind. The mind itself had seemingly been locked up from the inside. Children tried to play, but they couldn't, for nearly all of their games required words. And then, just as suddenly and as mysteriously as it had broken out, it vanished of a spring morn and never returned again. The children, the youth, the adults, the middle-aged and the elderly were all were all again able to speak in harmony with thoughts. The words came again to them naturally. In an instant did they come. It was as if their mind had unlocked itself and the word roots to the tongue and lips freed up. Babies were born, and when it was time for them to be able to speak, they could speak away healthily. May such a disaster never again be found, not alone throughout the island, but the entire planet, and even it beyond. In a dawn reverie of this new day, meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say, did lovingly relay, way back in days of long, long, long gone by. O mortal self of mine, when we're living in your own realm and time, your mind shall not fear, though a host of external ideas, problematic ideas of others, encamp against your own ideas. Though all the traditional moral standards of your native planet, your native land, your native place were to arise against you, even then, in yourself, will you be in confidence full.
All right, I will leave it at that for today. Enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you. Be ever so grateful for your many blessings. And spare a thought too for people's living in faraway places in all different kinds of situations, often very difficult and not at all of their own making. You have been listening to an Irish philosopher of the natural kind bringing radio to the internet via Radio Richard Island, on the air globally for about 15 minutes, Monday to Friday. The script format of today's broadcast will be available at a future date on AuthenticClosetDramaScripts.com It is truly an honor to have your listening. It is more than a, a, than a voice in your ear. There is power in listening, more than a phrase in your eye. Insight there is in reading. Enjoy both and please do spread the word. Thank you so much, Richard. May you be a blessing unto yourself by way of your past, by way of your present, and by way of your future. Sloan, August Benacht, Latin.